Welcome to another edition of BartCast, a podcast series curated by Bartimaeus Cooperative Ministries. Learn more at bcm-net.org. On All Hallows' Even 2017, we not only uh, experienced dressing up in costumes and uh, trick-or-treating with our young people. Uh, we also, this year, were commemorating Reformation Day and very specifically the 500th anniversary of the great public protest by Martin Luther tacking his 95 theses to the Wittenberg door, famously um, the first shot over the bow of what became the history-transforming Protestant Reformation. In the spirit of that quincentenary, uh, we have with us for this inaugural podcast a dear friend and a uh, renowned uh, Luther scholar and liberation theologian, Ulrich Duchrau. Ulrich is professor of systematic theology at Heidelberg University. Uh, he also has been deeply involved in uh, with the World Council of Churches and other ecumenical bodies and international social movements, Kairos Europa and other organizations as one of the leading voices uh, in the faith world critiquing uh, capitalism as a paradigm and calling people to practice a more radical faith. For the last uh, seven years, uh, Ulrich has been leading a a process, an international theological process called Radicalizing Reformation, in which um, theologians and social theorists from around the world, in anticipation of this quincentenary of Luther's protest, have been looking at the experience of Luther in the 16th century, uh, his uh, trying to rehabilitate some of Luther's own very radical economic critiques of early capitalism, uh, and also to connect that with social movements today and struggles against the money economy. Uh, Ulrich is known to many of our listeners uh, as a foremost interpreter of liberation theology for both first and third worlds, uh, as he is a church leader in Germany. He is uh, also a very dear friend who uh, has hosted me uh, at his home in Heidelberg, uh, and who has, we, we have charted many of the same paths around the world at conferences, um, both uh, putting our work at the service of social movements for liberation. So Ulrich, welcome to our podcast. Mm -hmm. It's great to have you. Thank you very much. I mean, I'm very privileged and feel very happy. Uh, to have this talk together and share it with others. Greetings to everybody. So um, I just wanted to start by adding one other half of the sentence of our project. You said the first part, radicalizing reformation, and the second part is provoked by the Bible and today's crises. So that is the full title and it shows from the beginning that we want to measure the Reformation against scriptures, the same method that 
Luther suggested for the early church history and middle age history. So that means we also are critical and particularly critical we are with regard to Luther in how he behaved against the, the Jews, the Muslims, the Anabaptists and the peasants. But on the other hand, what is more or less forgotten or even suppressed is his basic critique of the economy that was building up since the 11th century called early capitalism. And he did that critique on the basis of the biblical message. So that is one basic perspective we have. And the other is that Luther was not looking back at scriptures in terms of just being dead letter, but uh, as uh, Viva Vox Evangelii, the living voice of the gospel, that means contextually now, what is the liberating voice of the gospel? And uh, as you already suggested, the 95 Thesis started with critiquing that even the piety, the theology, the church life was captured by cap early capitalism. We had already f movements throughout the Middle Ages protesting against that. The first was Waldes, a merchant converted by Jesus, by, by the way, by the passage that was, if you want uh, to follow me, please sell what you have and, and, uh, and give it to the poor. Similar to St. Francis. Exactly. Mm -hmm. That St. Francis was the second merchant also being convinced by that message of Jesus. Uh, so the two one opened that kind of protest movement against the church assimilating to the second phase of the money accumulating economy, which started already in the antiquity. Uh, and then, of course, followed John Wycliffe and also Jan Hus, John Wycliffe in Britain, I mean Britain, and also Jan Hus in Czechos, in the Czech, what now is the Czech Republic. Um, so. On that basis, in that tradition, Luther uh, then protested with the 95 Thesis. And what is normally not said is that it was not just a question of wrong piety, wrong church doctrine, etc. But when you formulate it, that he protested against salvation for sale, mm -hmm. immediately you feel it is about economy. Mm -hmm. It is about e this kind of money accumulating economy taking over piety, church life, theology and everything. So therefore, even the start of the Reformation is the critique of this new uh, wave of money-driven civilization. Yeah? Yeah. So, so 500 years and five days ago, this rather obscure monk mm. by the name of Martin Luther mm. uh, posts these theses mm. on the door of a church, which mm. was like a community bulletin board. So this mm. was not an unusual thing. Yeah, yeah. And he wanted to debate these mm. theses right. with his colleagues. Um, <clears throat> uh, you... You and your colleagues talk about the forgotten Luther, mm -hmm. that um, Luther is in most uh, popular imagination uh, the theologian of uh, free grace uh, and uh, sort of Lutheran inner piety. But you're arguing that actually his notion of 
free grace was directly a critique of the purchasing of mm. grace through the indulgence mm. system, mm. and so it really was an economic paradigm. Can you say more about yes, that? Yes, yes. <laughs> Within the thesis, you find one thesis says, uh, when the money clings in the box, uh, there was the saying, then the soul is just climbing to heaven. Mm -hmm. And he said, no, climbing is profit and greed. Mm. And instead, you should share with the poor. So it was immediately also linking the, the sharing economy with, with the poor uh, as a counter model, even in the, in the 95 thesis. But of course, when you then see how Luther picks up on that in his later writings, uh, it is quite clear that um, like in the first attempt to address this question, he's, uh, he identified early capitalism as religion. And therefore, the main argument is a theological one before it comes to the ethical consequences. And that is in the, uh, in the large catechism, he deals with mammon as the idol um, against the God of the Bible um, as, as the key theological issue in his time. So picking up on Jesus in the Roman Empire, where already the first phase of that money-driven economy came to a climax uh, in the old, uh, old times. So uh, he starts with the first commandment, not with the, with the ethical consequences or economic consequences, because he sees the whole civilization, not just the economy, be taken over by that idle mammon. And the, uh, the consequences then of that he deals with in dealing with the seventh commandment, you shall not steal. And so he identifies in that, that context um, the whole market as being a stall of great thieves. And particularly he, he speaks about the arch thieves, yeah. which were the fuggers at that time, which were the, at the time the same thing as the multinational corporations these days. And the banks, they were both trading and um, banking uh, transnationals, particularly linked with the upper Italian uh, city-states who started this whole development. Um, and so he is then saying, this is what we have to deal with as churches and as Christians, uh, that this whole system, which now comes with putting money first, um, uh, as, as a robbery system and even a murderous systems, uh, a system because when you take away food from people through monetary manipulations, then uh, you murder and not just you steal. So that, therefore the idolatry and the systemic critique of capitalism as a robbery and murderous system is crucial and belongs together. Now, uh, many, many of us know Luther as a theologian of um, grace versus law. Mm -hmm. And you have talked about, actually, uh, Luther's radical uh, theology of grace was in specific response to the notion of what you call killing law mm -hmm. and its connection with the Anselmian mm -hmm. atonement theory. Yeah. Could you mm -hmm. say something about that? Yeah, uh, I mean, Anselm of Canterbury was uh, 
it was coming from the same area where the early capitalism started. He was born in Piemont, which is next to Genova in northern Italy, and Genova, uh, Venice, Florence, and Milano were the cities where the merchants took over political power and also developed all kinds of methods to change money into capital, that is to not just deal with money as an instrument, but money as the goal, and therefore you reinvest every profit in order to have a kind of machinery of accumulation. So in that area he grew up, um, and then he developed the theology starting from the assumption that the main law to be answered to is you have to pay back your debt. And so he um, says that because that is the highest law, even God has to bow mm. in front of that law. And in order to deal with the unpayable debt of human beings, has to kill his only son, in order to pay, because no human being alone could pay for it, so it must be a divine human being to be able to pay the unpayable debt or to build up a fund where people can, by doing good works, draw from. And so um, this introducing uh, introduces the calculating God into the Middle Ages. Mm. And it is exactly this calculating God which the monk uh, Luther account encounters in his monastery and just gets desperate about it mm. because you never can pay uh, sufficiently. Um, and so then is why he then feels so liberated to discover Paul's message of faith alone, grace alone, um, not in the sense that it should not create uh, love, uh, particularly the later Luther uh, protested against the bourgeois way of looking at the just, his own uh, justification theology, and he says, they always they, they talk about forgiveness and so on, but they dissolve Jesus by preaching him, by just talking about that forgiveness mm. and not how the Spirit transforms us to live in love with each other. Uh, so in that sense, I mean, uh, this is uh, in a way the, the, the groundbreaking liberation e experience in that context of the calculating God, the calculating logics uh, of this kind of early capitalist system, which of course is worsened today, because the, the debt must be repaid is exactly the IMF Yes. philosophy yes. with structural adjustments, mm -hmm. whether people are killed, whether people are hungry, whether education is cut, whether pensions are cut. And of course, the strange thing is that the Europeans took that model in order to also introduce in Europe this killing law. And that was when they introduced a monetary union without a social union, without a common employment policy, without control of transnational capital. And so the monetary union split Europe in two parts, those winning, eh? because in a monetary union with stronger and weaker, the stronger just take over and the weaker get weaker uh, and of course get more indebted, etc. That's what happens to Greece. So the killing law of debt must be repaid is exactly what happens to Greece 
and to other places, of course, in the global south, anyhow, for long, uh, but now is also introduced into Europe. So the, the machinery of that accumulation on the one side and losing on the other side is in full place. So let's talk about both of those things, the, the ideological struggle mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. then the, the, the social struggle. Mm -hmm. you, um, you have made a case that not only Luther, but Paul the Apostle himself mm -hmm. also was, uh, were focused on uh, liberating mm -hmm. communities from mm -hmm. this killing law mm -hmm. that you talk about, particularly the theological construction mm -hmm of this killing law, the tyranny of death. Um, most people today mm -hmm. in the Protestant West do not read either Luther nor Paul mm -hmm. in that way. Mm -hmm. Their theology has been um, spiritualized mm -hmm. and privatized mm -hmm. into mm -hmm. a, a sort of individual freedom mm -hmm. that has nothing to do um, with the political economy mm -hmm. of debt. Mm -hmm. What happened? Mm -hmm. What happened, first of all, in the mm -hmm. Protestant Reformation? How was Luther, mm -hmm. um, how was Luther distorted, mm -hmm. and by that process, how was Paul distorted in mm -hmm. the Pietist West? Yes, right, right. This is a very interesting, very interesting question. First of all, one has to understand which is new result of new research that um, the indiv the abstract individual comes with money and private property. Because uh, in earlier times, I mean, e e economic activities were done in some kind of community or in an organization like uh, palaces with redistributive economy, etc. But always in some kind of community. And with the introduction of money and private property, which happens around the 8th century BCE, um, the individual comes up in the ancient world already, but not really in that extreme form then later in the West. Um, and the, 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 in that time, the, in, the, the classical individual is uh, regarded the tyrant mm -hmm. in Greek, in, Greek um, uh, in the Greek world, the tyrant is regarded the independent individual of all others, just breaking all laws of community. And so the answer to that is the Greek tragedy. It's, mm -hmm. it's a fantastic new discovery of researchers who research that. So, but in Paul, uh, it is, um, it is um, uh, well, first of all, in uh, Lutheranism, this individualizing of the relational thinking about human being like Luther did it, happened at the same time with piet pietism and rationalism, mm -hmm. because the, the money mind is the, the ego-related ratio. Ratio, the Latin word, is uh, money proportion. Mm -hmm. And so ratio, male ratio also, because only male were allowed to own property. Uh, so it is this kind of abstract uh, reductionist thinking of the human being being a 
owner and contractor. Mm -hmm. yeah? So just disembedding human beings out of community relationships. So uh, in that sense, that took over with pietism and rationalism in, in the Protestant world. But at the same time, then it was Paul was reinterpreted as if representing this private salvation of justification by faith, privatizing. Whereas when you look at Paul, it is quite clear um, that the issue is you live in a Roman imperial civilization characterized by injustice and idolatry. Mm -hmm. Uh, you find that in Romans 1. Yes. And then he comes to um, develop all kinds of questions. How can we get beyond that? And the response is, first of all, in that kind of civilization, in that kind of imperial structure, um, you can understand what would be good, the original meaning of the Torah. You can also want to do it, but you are not able to do it because you are somehow uh, in those structures which keep you mm. being serving sin, this power of sin through greed, as he says in, um, uh, in Romans 7. And then what is the answer? And then he praises God that through the Messiah, Jesus, there is the start of a new humanity, Romans 5, through the Spirit. And so the answer of, of, uh, of the liberation by faith and by grace alone is you just get out of those, um, of those binding laws of the empire and you start new communities uh, by the spirit, by this new spirit, energizing, building of new communities. And of course, in Galatians, the letter to the Galatians, he kept, uh, he puts it in a nutshell saying, no Jews, no Greek. So the people let not play themselves against each other mm -hmm. in, in terms of divide and rule, as the Roman Empire does. Mm -hmm. So you overcome that contradiction, the binary of Jews and Greek and other goyim, other peoples. And on the other hand, no slave, no freemen, no, no masters, no slaves, no patriarchs, no submissive women, but one in the Messiah. So how, if you interpret that politically, it is Paul response to that kind of killing law of the empire by creating new communities like subversive cells in the system of the empire to build up a new life in solidarity between the Jews and others, between the, the masters and the slaves and so on. So you get over those binary contradictions and uh, asymmetries and you get to a new life in solidarity. So that is Paul, and every person is not an abstract individual, but a charisma holder. So everybody contributes to this new life in community, in solidarity. So in, in some respects, Luther was undomesticating mm -hmm. that revolutionary Paul mm -hmm. uh, 15, 14 mm -hmm. centuries later mm -hmm. uh, in a new context mm -hmm. of um, late feudal, early mm -hmm. capitalist Europe. Mm -hmm. uh, and you 
500 years later, yes. are trying to undomesticate Luther. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That is why we put it between Bible and, uh, uh, and crisis. Mm -hmm. uh, um, uh, yes. Uh, I mean, uh, there I think I uh, have to say uh, two preliminary things. The one is, uh, in all religious communities around the world, I observe movements which are parallel to what we call liberation theology movements in the Christian community. Um, like in the Muslim liberation theology, Jewish liberation theology, engaged Buddhism in all of those. And I interpret these ancient times as being at the origin of these liberating perspectives in religions and philosophies, not only in Jewish uh, tradition and Christian tradition, but up to Muslim tradition and also Buddhist and even in China, Taoism and Confucianism. So that means now we have those liberating movements that go back to these originally protesting and um, alternative movements in that early stage of the money-driven civilization. Now, at the moment, we are at the climax of this development because with late capitalism, the murderous system turns to be suicidal. Because look at the climate. If we go on with this kind, capital accumulation must happen, so growth economy must happen, so destruction and extraction of the earth must happen, so pollution of the earth must happen, so carbon dioxide must be, I mean, produced in order to, to change the climate, to burn ourselves. Some researchers are speaking about the self-burning of humanity. Mm -hmm. So that means I am interpreting this, this civilization which started in the ancient biblical times and then came to a new impulse in that turning money to capital, making it a mega machine of capital accumulation, which now is, uh, so to speak, at its climax, but coming to a suicidal mm. um, um, uh, situation. So therefore now, what we are trying to invite people, uh, rediscover those liberating forces in all religions, all cultures, particularly indigenous cultures, mm. uh, in order to put together all these spiritual forces, the experiments of alternatively doing economy uh, in relation to nature, in mutual solidarity. So somehow create spaces to reach that new culture, which is life-oriented, uh, overcoming that abstract accumulation type of growth civilization, greedy civilization, or whatever you might call it. Uh, and so therefore, I mean, in all of our traditions, in all of our situations globally, uh, we have to somehow um, see this spirit at work, and it is working everywhere. Resist this kind of self-destructive e economy, uh, develop spaces of peace against this kind of direct violence going along with this structural accumulation machinery. 
uh, overcome the racism, the 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 uh, I mean the sexism and what have you in the system, uh, and so start developing a new culture of mutual relations related to the webs of life, etc., so that we can just uh, uh, learn from all these original developments in our sources, but also in the Reformation phases, so that we come to a new Reformation or even to a cultural revolution. Mm. As you can hear, uh, Dr. Ulrich Duchroh is both one of the broadest and the deepest thinkers alive today. He is one of my mentors. Uh, he is a very important voice in uh, bridging the seminary and the sanctuary and the streets all around the world. Um, now, Ulrich, I want to conclude our brief conversation <clears throat> by um, uh, bringing in uh, one more vector. Five days ago, we celebrated the 500th mm -hmm. anniversary of Luther's protest. Mm -hmm. A few days before that, mm -hmm was the 50th anniversary mm -hmm. of the Baltimore Four oh, action. Of the Baltimore The Baltimore Four, four action. Yeah. Now, the Baltimore Four action mm -hmm. was uh, in 1967, mm -hmm. uh, two Catholic priests, Daniel mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. Philip Berrigan, yes. yeah. both within the space of a yeah. week, mm -hmm. were arrested mm -hmm. for protesting mm -hmm. yes. Yes. the Vietnam War. Yes, of course. Uh, Daniel Berrigan mm -hmm. was arrested at the Pentagon, and mm -hmm. Philip Berrigan was arrested for pouring mm. his mm. own blood yes. on draft files mm -hmm. in uh, mm. in Baltimore. Yes. Now, Daniel and Philip Berrigan are also mentors of mine. Mm -hmm. And that uh, 50th anniversary, which we commemorated mm -hmm. just mm -hmm. a few days before the mm -hmm. Luther quincentenary, mm -hmm. uh, was significant because it was the first time in the history of the United States mm -hmm. that any Catholic priest had been arrested for civil disobedience and resistance to war. And the Baltimore Four action was uh, inspired more than a hundred draft board actions in its wake. Uh, so like Luther's protest, it planted the seeds of dissent uh, in the anti-war movement and subsequently uh, in uh, throughout the, the peace movement. Mm -hmm. So uh, how, how can we mm -hmm. look at the history of mm -hmm. these prophetic protests, Luther and mm -hmm. the Berrigans mm -hmm. and so many others, mm -hmm. how can regular people like us, mm -hmm. what do we need to learn from mm -hmm. these amazing mm -hmm. uh, protests? What are mm -hmm. they trying to teach us? Yeah, first of all, I have to say in that, of course, you are my mentor <laughs> as a Mennonite, because at that point, I mean, uh, uh, Luther is ambiguous, let me say. He was, on the one hand, uh, very much supporting the overcoming of the feudal system of restoring justice by military force, mm -hmm. and uh, very much supporting the developments that would try to settle conflicts by legal means, yes. via the law, via the via via the via, via rights, mm -hmm. uh, which is very very good. And I think at that point there is no struggle with the Mennonites, but he had other 
shortcomings sure. on this account, which particularly got worse when later Lutherans, I mean, followed all those um, imperial wars in Germany, for instance, and then finally even the Hitler uh, people, the German Christians. I mean, so that's a very ambiguous history. And there you, friends, my Mennonite friends, are my mentors. It, 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 truly so, I could tell you more in detail biographically mm. about that. So, um, so, so that, is, that is very, very important to retrieve as well from our revolutionary traditions. Mm. Um, because, because what I just mentioned in terms of the economic side of it, it from the beginning was linked with imperial military and and mercenary and uh, violence. The direct violence always was coupled with the structural uh, um, violence of uh, greedy money. Mm. Yes. Um, so, so therefore, um, therefore, this is age-old um, complicity between direct violence and structural violence, and even cultural violence, because the imperial includes, we are the civilized, the others are the barbarians. So therefore, this whole violent tradition, we have to overcome in terms of structural violence, economic violence, in terms of overcoming direct violence, and also uh, the cultural violence in terms of racism, etc. So this is at the present time for me, absolutely important because of that threat of the present administration in the United States threatening North Korea and Iran with war. It is just unimaginable what would happen if this administration succeeds to to develop wars against North Korea and, and Iran. It's just unimaginable. It might, it might release hell on earth. So therefore, I'm very grateful for that question, because I think what we need is, at this moment, more than ever before, to revitalize the peace movement. Mm -hmm. And as I have been, uh, as I have told you, uh, I happened to be in Korea just recently, and they are dead scared with your uh, present uh, politics in Washington, uh, D.C., and they develop a new remobilization of the peace movement in Korea, and they will ask 10 countries, which are critical in these terms, to also mobilize so that we come about with a new international revitalized peace movement to stop this releasing hell. You may know that, um, that after the uh, breakdown of the world in 89, uh, the Institute of the World Clock Mm -hmm. Are you aware the of doomsday that? Doomsday clock. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Doomsday clock. Mm -hmm. um, uh, uh, put the clock back seven minutes. Yes. And you know when your administration now came into office, they moved it to three quarters of a minute yes. to twelve. Yes. That is frightening. Mm -hmm. Yes. Therefore, peace movement is the call of the day in that tradition. So that means we have not only to learn economically, socially, mentally, culturally, but 
key is the peace issue besides the ecological of course because the climate uh, is is just threatening uh, the life conditions um, uh, of the future uh, but i mean in terms of most urgency for the next four years or next three and a half years if we survive them mm. is that question mm. so therefore let us put that together uh, the the justice alone and peace alone uh, issue to uh, so, to add to the loans of the Reformation. Mm. Ulrich Duchro is a prophet and a great um, philosopher. You can find his writings online. Uh, you can also find the many publications of the Radicalizing Reformation Movement under that phrase online, Radicalizing Reformation. There's a wonderful website uh, where so many of the publications in both German and English are available. Even Spanish. And also in Spanish. Um, Ulrich is uh, midway through a West Coast tour. He's heading up to the Pacific Northwest, where he will continue um, to talk about uh, the forgotten Luther and help uh, rehabilitate the this theological is. and political imaginations of our First World churches to reclaim the prophetic imagination of people like Luther and the Berrigans. Uh, Ulrich, we're so grateful that you took a minute to stop by and visit us in Oakview, and uh, we hope the rest of your travels go well. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. <laughs> and thank you for listening. We will catch you next time. You have been listening to the BartCast, produced by Bartimaeus Cooperative Ministries. To find our resources or to donate to support the BartCast, please go to chedmyers.org. Thank you for listening. Thank you.